and welcome to List Makers. This is, as I'm sure you know by now, a spin-off podcast from the Doctor Who show. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. Our topic tonight, coming from listener Revolting Ross, is top five companion introduction stories. Christmas is only... It's coming up. It's, it's, yeah, it's coming up, but we're here to make some lists. Companion introduction stories, which do we think are the best? Yes, Dave, and I am very excited to do this, and I think I'm going first today. You are going first. We always start off, though, by asking you to predict the number of snaps. Oh. I I think it'll be low. I'm going to go with two. Oh, I'm going to go with one. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm going with one. All right. Rob, <laughs> yes. the show is yours. Please make your list. Thank you, Dave. In at number five, I'm going with Planet of Fire and Perry. I think this is a good one to kick off the list because not only does Planet of Fire have a TV movie kind of feel to it with a lot of location filming, but I also have strong memories of seeing it in Australia as an omnibus edition, literally a TV movie. So Perry's debut is imprinted on my mind as not just being that moment in the bikini, although that's very special to me, but it also felt a lot more accomplished visually than a lot of other stories from this era. So you take that, and you think of how Perry also operates in this story, both on her own and with Davo. And she's really good, particularly compared to how she gets treated most of the time in the series going forward. This is a great Perry full stop. And the fact it's her debut story is like the cherry on top. So I think this is a really solid way to start my list, even if I do say so myself. Nice. In at number four, I've gone with the 11th hour and Amy. Now, I'm not particularly fond of the Amy character at all, as many people will know who listen to the podcast, but I think this story was quite charming, and her introduction as a child, hanging out with Matt Smith, having fish fingers and custard, then we fast forward to her older self, who basically has mental issues because of this imaginary friend she had as a child, suddenly fleshes out this character in one episode in a way that many companions, especially in the classic era, didn't get across their entire runs. And the way it's tied back into when Smithy regenerates and he sees the young Amy running around the TARDIS, there's even a payoff there that you don't know is coming when you first see the story. I don't think Moffat knew it was coming either. So I think this is super strong. I'm not into Amy at all. I reiterate that, but damn, she has a good debut story. In at number three, I've got an unearthly child for Ian and Barbara. And how could I not have this episode in here? It's iconic by itself. It makes it into all sorts of fan lists across many topics. But to consider that this is also the introduction for Ian and Barbara, and Susan too, if we're being literal about it, I think it's a must to include here. I remember the first time I saw it, it was actually like a fifth generation copy of the pilot, not the actual transmitted first episode. And... It just felt magical, and it's weird. It was only 24 years old at the time, but to a 12-year-old in 1987, the year 1963 seemed a million years ago. It was ancient. Of course, I look back on something now from 24 years ago and think, gee, that wasn't long ago, was it? But, (laughs) But yeah, look, the black and white, the mystery, everything's new, everything to play for. What a great way to kick off, and Ian and Barbara get the chocolates there. In at number two, Spearhead from Space, and the Liz character, Liz Shaw. Dr. Liz Shaw, Dave. When I selected this story, I was looking down a list of stories, and I thought, wow, that's a good story, and oh my God, it's Liz's debut, isn't it? Done. And 
my thinking was as simple as that, really. We have this amazing TV movie-like story, so similar vibes again to Planet of Fire, shot entirely on film, looking amazing, Doctor Who in colour for the first time, and we get this new companion. And I've got to say, though, it's interesting. People have this, Liz was this new take on a companion. She was so smart. When we'd literally just had Zoe... <laughs> one story before <laughs> who was a genius and also spoke her mind but i digress while liz doesn't get a long run as a companion this season and her debut in it is really 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 strong and it can't not be in this list i'd feel ridiculous not including this number one yeah finally number one and this may come from left field for a lot of people i'm going with asylum of the daleks and clara and I'm going for something a bit left field and a bit of a cheat here for some colour, basically, Dave, because <laughs> it's not that's, really that's Clara. Not like you. <laughs> oh, it's not like me at all. But it's not really Clara. So this isn't really her debut. And yet it is Jenna Coleman making her debut. And that's so Moffat. You know, he's always playing with ideas. How can I mix stuff up? And while the Dalek side of the story is a straightforward sort of thing, all the scenes with Oswin are great. And I remember seeing this the first time and thinking, weren't we meant to meet the new companion later in the series? What what are they pulling here? That's that's Jenna Coleman, or Jenna Louise Coleman, as she used to be called at the time. She's, she's on the screen. She's in this story. What is happening? And when the penny finally drops that, spoilers, Oswin is actually a Dalek, and she's built this reality in her mind, that was a real, oh, wow, sort of moment. So for the fact it's a debut that's not a debut, and it has a huge rug pull for good measure, I'm going to stick Clara, not Clara, here at number one, Dave. That's a very Rob list. <laughs> Thank you very much. Did we snap? Uh, we did. How many times? One. Oh, you were right. Okay. So, one snap. Does that mean that my list is going to be full of oddballs? Or Rob's was full of oddballs? Or maybe there's just so many good options to choose from. Uh, let's find out. Number five. Mm. I've jumped straight into the new series and I have picked Smith & Jones. Okay. Martha's debut had a big job to do. She was, in new series companion terms, the difficult second album. She mm -hmm. was the companion that really had to fill a slot that RTD had elevated to the level of co-star in a way really not seen in the classic series. Ace maybe comes close, but you know, really not. And in Smith & Jones, you have a fun story, a good adventure, but one in which Martha arrives fully formed. You know... Her personality, her character, her strengths, her background, her skills. Mm. You know what sort of person she is and she's important to the plot and she just very effortlessly sneaks into that position. And for me, I'd almost forgotten that Rose existed by the end of that. <laughs> very good. Number four. I don't know if this is an oddball choice or not, but I've gone with Mordred Undead and Turlow. Mm. Could you ask for a more interesting, different, innovative sort of introduction to a companion. The first time we see him, he's busy insulting his fellow students and stealing the brigadier's car. He then does a deal with the devil and he's gently putting down the other companions. He's very smug. He's, you know, Don't you know anything? He's got all of those sort of moments. He's trying to kill the doctor. And Mark Strickson just hits it out of the park in that first performance. Mm. And I just think... That's a companion that's got me going, A, great story, B, 
great performance. C, this is really interesting. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good choice. I said before that Smith & Jones almost eclipsed Rose, but didn't quite, because at number three, I have got Rose. In the story Rose. Ah, very interesting. The companion you forgot once Martha came in. Yes, but look, look. when it all comes back to it, we... Uh, we spoke last month, Rob, about how important RTD was in getting the series back in 2005. Mm-hmm. And and perhaps the thing that really blew us away was just how big a part of that Rose was. I think we knew that Russell T Davies was going to be a good, fun writer. Those of us who'd seen a bit of Christopher Eccleston's work knew he was going to be good at the role. But, but we didn't know that Billy Piper was going to be good at Rose. But she was. She was fantastic. She stole that story. And I just think it was a very, very strong remaking of the companion in a good adventure with a good performance Mm, yeah number two you said it would be impossible not to have this on the list i agree dr liz shaw is introduced in spearhead from space Mm. she is a companion who carries that story the doctor's unconscious for the first two episodes for goodness sake yet she just comes in she instantly puts the brigadier in his place she's instantly in command of the show she instantly is just clever witty, confident. She's one of my, if not my favourite companions. And the story's a classic as well, which helps. What a show. Yeah. Number one, look, after four picks with my head, I've gone with the pick of the heart, and that is The Rescue introducing Vicky. Nice. Here you have one of the most wonderful and delightful stories in Doctor Who's history, and it's all about introducing a really underrated and magnificent companion in Vicky. Vicky is very quickly shown to have dimensions that, frankly, Susan never quite got. Her relationship with William Hartnell and the Doctor is just perfect from the first moment. And, and her coming on board starts to redefine the Doctor's character into the Doctor that we sort of know and think of as being the Doctor now that you know really wasn't there in that first season as the Doctor was being shaped. It's a story all about Vicky. It's lovely. She's lovely. Look, if I was doing a hard analytical decision, would Spearhead from Space be above this? Sure. But my heart says, no, nah, rescue. Mm-hmm. Great pick. One snap. I think that's probably the place to start. But is there anything left to say? Spearhead from Space <laughs> is awesome. Well, Spearhead was one of the two I thought we'd have. I'm more interested in talking about the other snap I thought we'd have, which was Planet of Fire, given A, that you really, really like Planet of Fire, and B, I do genuinely think it's one of Perry's best stories, if not her best story, given just how she sort of devolves as a companion over time. I think that the argument you made is really strong, and I did think about Planet of Fire. As you say, it's my favourite Davos story. I love it. And look, I do think it's a strong debut for Perry, particularly in contrast to where her character goes over the next year. But, and here's the but, Mm -hmm. is the story about Perry or is the story about Perry and Turlo and Chameleon and the Master and Lanzarote and, and, (laughs) and? And I just thought if the companion is swamped, in their debut story, mm. is it necessarily the best? Now, it's credit to Nicola that you still had her at number five on the list and I was still very, very close to having her. So it shows that even against all of this other thing drowning out her character, she still almost makes the list. But I did think that as an intro story for a companion, 
there was too much going on. Mm. Plus, it does have the bikini scene. Um, some fans are big fans of it. Uh, <laughs> I, for maybe other reasons, just sort of go, is this setting her up to fail from the start? Yeah, and so that was, that was another point off for me. Okay. I guess it all depends on how revolting Ross means this. Does he mean the top five stories that introduce a companion or the top five companion stories that introduce them, if you see what I mean. No, I absolutely do see your, what you mean. And when we pulled this topic out of the Hat of Wrestling last month, I said there are a number of ways we could take it. And, and that was exactly what I was thinking about. And mm. I've, I've tried to have my cake and eat it too by picking five <laughs> stories that are good stories and were good uh, companion introductions. You're right. If I was just to pick the best five stories that happen to have a companion introduction, yeah, Planet of Fires are Monty. Yeah, yeah. Whereas my number one, Asylum of the Daleks, I don't think Asylum of the Daleks is a brilliant story by any means, but I was absolutely drawn in by the way they introduced the companion who wasn't really the companion. I thought that was like like quite mind-blowing at the time. It wasn't what I expected at all. No, no, you're right. It really did blow the socks off a lot of people because by this stage we were, we were well and truly in the era of hey world here's the new doctor who girl let's do interviews with her let's have a dwm four page spread about her let's have stories in the times let's go on breakfast television and so you're right we're all like okay let's wait for her to come hang on that's her yeah exactly so yeah it it, it, it was a weird one now was she clara did did no. we have, well did we have so who was she? Was she a Clara Splinter? She, she was. She was Oswin. She had. She was Oswin Oswald, and like, uh, what did they call the other one? Clara Oswin Oswald. They were like different versions of Clara, and I'm still not entirely sure how they existed. Whether something that happens later in the series creates them, and that's why they were there, or whether they were just literally other people who looked like her, called that. Like, a hundred years ago, there might have been a Rob Irwin who looked like me, but it clearly wasn't me. Do you know what I mean? You Kind of like Danny Pink's great-great-great-grandson looks yes. exactly like him. So, yes. You know, no other genetic material at all. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's that's interesting, because, I mean, look, I, I haven't gone back and watched Asylum for the Daleks, I'll, I'll confess, and I just assumed, having now seen the rest of the Smith era, that she was a Clara Splinter that just got caught up somewhere but no okay yeah well that's what i mean by you know something that happens later in the series could have created that which is her splintering off into all the time timelines and maybe that's how she got there although that wouldn't have been the idea at the time so it's still a bit of a mystery which is maybe a cool thing yes uh some honorable mentions rob uh i didn't jot any down here dave i mean you know, you, you think of something like Legopolis introducing Tegan, you think, well, that's a hell of a story. But is Tegan particularly interesting in it? Yes. <laughs> you know, so I was like, mm, maybe I can't put that one in, even though it's a great story and it introduces a companion. And, yeah. And in theory, introduces Nyssa as well as a companion. Yeah, I thought about the Time Warrior. Yeah. I thought about Face of Evil. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought about the Pilot. I was you took you took it out of my mouth. Yeah, I was going to mention that Bill had a good intro story, and and I remember when we did our hot take of the pilot, both of us were very impressed about the way that the story was about Bill, but also about the way that the story really successfully reset the notion of a companion, where the companion sort of gone 
over new series history from Rose is really, really important to Martha. And then Donna's this even bigger character. And then Amy is the impossible girl that waited. And then <laughs> Clara is the really important... Oh, look, I'm probably getting my, my non-deplumes mixed, mixed up a bit. But yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? There's, there's this growing thing of this companion's even more important to the entire history of life, the universe and everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And then you get down to Bill, who's just a student going, hey, this is cool. Yeah. And we really like that reset. So, gee, I'm almost talking myself into into saying maybe I should have snuck the pilot into num- number five at the expense of Smith & Jones. Look, if, yeah. if I'd done that, I wouldn't have been unhappy. I mean, is she even a student at the start? I'm, I'm, she worked in the cafeteria, didn't yeah, she? And it was yeah. Capaldi that gave her her start. Yeah. That's right. But she, she sat at the back of lectures and... Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and sort of, you know, he's like, well, you might as well be a proper student then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think maybe this is a rare occasion when, as I talk, I, I regret my list and maybe I should have had the pilot there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but look, there, there were so many stories to think about. And there were somewhere clearly... A great companion doesn't have a great intro. Like, I don't think Ace is particularly well served by Dragonfire. I don't think she's particularly good in it. I don't think it's an amazing story or anything. Yet she goes on to be one of the most important companions ever. I I had exactly that thought process where I thought, right, great companions, Ace, introduction story, Dragonfire. Look, I like Dragonfire, but Ace isn't great in it. No, and it's not a particularly good story, really. No, and then I started going backwards. I got to Mel. I was like, well, she doesn't get one. So <laughs> so I just went back to trying to pluck them out of the air. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's been interesting. More options than perhaps we thought were going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, aside from my Ian and Barbara and your Vicky, we really stayed away from the black and whites and went more modern. Look, we did. And that's interesting. I think perhaps because in the black and whites, it was... Just, we're just moving on to the next one. Yeah, here's a new face. They have a name. <laughs> you know, yeah. here's a paragraph worth of bio. Move yeah, on. Evil of the Daleks isn't really about Victoria. True. Uh, Wheel in Space isn't really about Zoe. A little bit more than Victoria got, but yeah. And I mean, the Highlanders, that was an accident that was a companion's first story. Yeah, and as you say, Fraser Hines changes quite a lot. He Almost does. immediately afterwards. He, he does. The, 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 the Jamie in the Highlanders is not the Jamie of the rest of Doctor Who. No. But we are hitting our time limit pretty hard now, yep. Rob. Yep, we are. So it is time to reach again into Turlo's Hat of Rassilon. Thank you to Revolting Ross for putting that one in the hat. Always love to get contributions from the hat. And this one comes from Homer's Twin, and it is Top 5 Stories Where Humanity is the Monster. That's Ooh. a perfect topic to go into Christmas with. Thank you for that, Homer's twin. And um, we will see you in the new year. We will. Until then, I've been Dave. I've been Ralph. Merry Christmas, and we'll make some more lists in 2024.